Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Psalm 84, verses 9 and 10. One of the, uh, uh, I, I read about this, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but uh, Paul in his letter to the Corinthian uh, is pretty tough about uh, letting uh, sin dwell within the house of God. Uh, and he really recommends that uh, if a person is in sin, committing adultery or some other form of um, known sin or the, the breaking the Ten Commandments or whatever, they uh, it, uh, you try to reform them within the church, but if they won't be reformed, in other words, if they won't change their ways, they can't stay there because their ways will start being adapted by people in the church because that's the nature of how sin sin is an infection and it will change it in proximity it will it will uh, shift around uh, even within the church and what i write is we're at a point of when we are at a point of justifying sin even within the church uh in the name of being inclusive or something uh trouble will start erupting um probably much to our surprise uh, but our niceness sometimes can actually be quite lethal to others. Yeah, there, there's a corporate impact of both sin and righteousness. Um, the living in God's design can float the boat a little bit higher, but uh, living outside of that design can crash the boat and it has impacts. We we don't do anything alone. We don't. One of the things I uh, say often is you don't sin alone. You may be sinning in a way that no one is seeing uh, from a human perspective, or maybe you and a couple people are seeing, but the residual effects, it's kind of like dropping a pebble into the water. It goes out and impacts the rest of the community. And um, that's part of the reason that there's been a... Um, a, a growing uh, ineffectiveness and loss of impact and influence of the church is there's just been this perpetual uh, putting our standard down. It's kind of like the Psalm 1 declaration, which talks about progression of uh, uh, someone who is not blessed. Uh, they stand and they stop and they sit in the council of the wicked. There's a progression downwards towards that. And um, the call here of the psalmist is, I'd rather be in God's courts uh, than being in the tents of the wicked. It's not a self-righteous declaration, but it's a, a declaration of intention of heart. How did you how did you summarize this um, when you started this on unrighteousness and unrighteousness and you said you kind of made a comparison of what i was saying you took you picked up but then you said a, a community of righteousness versus a community of what yeah so i what i would say is as the corporate atmosphere and the corporate culture of the gathered people of god lives towards the righteousness they're not going to be thrown off when unrighteousness comes into the congregation um 
you know, the whole idea that one bad apple spoils the batch. No, we're actually called into the world and we're hoping that the world will interact with us in the church. Um, to be truthful, when I was a pastor, we had some situations that were pretty evil. Uh, people had done some very evil things in our church body, and that's the things we knew. I can imagine some of the congregants were doing just as evil things, and we didn't know about it. But our pursuit as the corporate body of Christ under the blood of Jesus did not cause the body to come apart in those moments. There would be accusation from certain people and outside, but we just became stronger because we lived out our righteousness in Christ, uh, not um, the propensity of a few of us to walk in disobedience towards God. So I'm just going to conclude with what you just said. We live out our righteousness through Christ or in Christ. And I, I would actually even spin it one more time, just so there's no confusion. He lives his righteousness out through us.